So I learned so much from chatting with listeners. One of my favorite, most interesting questions that I like to ask is like, what are you struggling with personally? Or what would you like to be better at? Because usually if you ask somebody this, like their responses are just going to tell you a whole lot. And so recently while messaging with one of our overseas listeners, they mentioned that like one of their personal scariest struggling points that they were dealing with was fear of intimacy. And they meant both romantically and sexually. And then it was like the very next day, I'm talking to somebody else, and this person I'm coaching is like, oh, you know, I would really like to work on vulnerability and intimacy because like that's really scary to me, and that's a goal I would like to get better at. And so I thought, okay, like here's, you know, this is a common pattern. These are common questions that people are asking about. Uh, t- they're topics we talk a lot about on the show. But I thought like, well, it, it, it makes sense, first of all, you know, that we're trying to, people are trying to open up and they're trying to share this like authentic part of like who we are and, you know, we're taking risks and we're exposing ourselves. And sometimes people hurt us. And then the danger there is like, you know, they might, I'm just going to say, make fun of you or something that you could be shaming. Uh, rejection could happen or just, you know, just somebody's not being supportive. And so that can end up causing us to feel isolated and alone which sucks. And then we wisely choose to like put up defensive walls to protect ourselves. And we swear we're never going to let this happen again. You know, no more traumatic experiences. And then we don't let anybody in. And so then we're isolated and lonely. And then that sucks and helps nobody. So like, you know, getting past this is like a common question that people are interested in. And and it's really an important question too. And like learning how to like wisely take those chances and to kind of like vet people or check them out to make sure that everybody's like safe enough to like earn our openness like that's hard work, but it's also really meaningful and valuable. I really feel it's something that we all want to explore and care about whether we know it consciously or not. So learning how to be open, exposed, and intimate is probably the only way for us to really get to to like our authentic selves. So we need and we want to do this, but it is damn hard because it's risky. So I called my friend Kim Holden, who's an intimacy coach, and she's out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I asked her to like, come on the show and teach us about like, you know, when do we let our guard down? How do we do it safely? How to make these good intimate connections? But then also like, what are things that we can do that are going to like help our partners like feel more comfortable about opening up and and being themselves around us? Because you know, remember, you need to be able to like earn somebody's like trust before you can do anything, any kind of like romantic attraction. So, so many people listen to the show because they want to learn how to attract people, but it's like, if you don't have the, the trust, like you can't do anything. So again, letting people feel safe and comfortable is a key thing to work on that's going to help build attraction. So I'm really excited to have Kim Holden here with us today to, to help teach us how to be more authentic and intimate, but also how to create that environment where those around us can feel open up, you know, where they can open up and be themselves with us. Hello, I'm Stephen, and welcome to Ethical Seduction. As a sex-positive educator and volunteer serving our local Nashville Kinky Community Center, I noticed that some people were struggling to attract the types of people they desired. So I started Ethical Seduction as a way to help others create authentic connections with whomever they choose. Flirting and seduction skills matter. They can transform your life and benefit everyone around you. Ethical Seduction is here to help you live the life you want with the people you want.
Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Stephen, and today I'm here with my friend and intimacy coach, Kim Holden. So, Kim, how are you doing? Well, I am thrilled to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. I will give a little bit of a backstory. Um, Kim and I started chatting online with each other maybe, it might have been four months ago. I think we we, we crossed paths on uh I think it was Discord. Both of us mm-hmm. were like, you know, we're not very good with Discord. Don't really know how to use Discord very much. But we kind of started chatting on there. And we had the, the kind of shared, I don't know, theme, I'm going to say, of like sex relationships and you as an intimacy coach. But we're also kind of a little bit different on kind of what we focus on and things. So we just started chatting. And then we started. I started getting the people asking these questions about intimacy. And I thought this is the perfect time. We really need to get get Kim Holden on here. So that is sort of the backstory of how the two of us met and started interacting. But Kim, do you want to just tell tell us a little bit about yourself? How, how did you become an intimacy coach for one thing? Well, it could be a short story or a long story. But the short story is um, I was married for quite a long time in a traditional monogamy, you know, house, pets, two kids, um, had cancer when I turned 40. And um, you know, ended up 10 years later, um, divorced, uh, and thought, you know, I love your, in your little intro where you talked about, I'm just not going to do that again. Like that hurts. That sucks. I'm just going to wall everything Mm -hmm. off. And, you know, it, it does take some time to heal through that. And as I was healing, the, the better I felt, the more I wanted to be around people and realized that I was out of practice, didn't have a lot of skill, And so I went to a workshop uh, in Dallas about the female orgasm, met a coach, did some work, started studying, and it has evolved into being a, a community holder as well as a coach and even now beginning to look at helping um, women who've been through breast cancer. Um, so it's it's niched down as as I've gone through this journey, but it was a very personal um, striving to I can't connect with my kids, my daughters the way I want to. Um, I need new friends. Um, I don't have a partner anymore. And so all of that boiled down to how do I trust and get myself out there and build loving relationships with people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so one thing that you reminded me of is like so often I think like the stuff we talk about, we talk about it in the sense of like, like sex relationships, those kind of connections, but it usually applies like all these other areas of your life. And so I hear you mm-hmm. kind of say that too, like, which is really interesting because it wasn't like, you're like, I'm going to be an intimacy coach. It's more of like, what I hear you saying is like, generally speaking, it's like all over the board. Like, how do I talk to my kids? Yeah. Right? So. Well, and people, people hear the, you know, they'll say intimacy coach. So you're a sex coach. And I was like, well, I could be. Um, but I really believe that the, the premise of connection, communication, um, that authenticity that we've talked about being vulnerable, all of those things apply to any relationship. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I've even thought like, you know, we, we talk about relationships, but it's like friendships, I think really work on like the same rules. You know, you could say there's a few differences between a romantic relationship and a friendship on like how you do boundaries, you know, or what you're comfortable with. But I think the same basic things of like, we, you know, you've got to establish trust and you've got to have that, that back and forth and the, the sharing of 
whatever energy of what you're giving to the other person and how they, you know, how you all benefit each other. I think that's true of like any, any relationship. I'm going to say even like, if, like teacher student type stuff, you know, if you're in the yeah. classroom, I still think it's like, there's still a relationship, you know, that's kind of going on there. So yeah. Interesting. I mean, to be honest, that's how we started. We started in a really safe space online and messaged each other. And then when we realized there was enough in common that we were curious, um, we started a, you know, like a, a phone conversation or a, a, a video conversation. And we started just sharing little bits and little bits. And it's like, oh, wow, we have more in common than we thought. And so then you just gradually open up and let someone see more of you, right? So uh, let, let me start off or just asking, like, what exactly is intimacy? I guess, like, how would you personally define it? Intimacy to me is the art of being seen and being heard. And the flip side of that is, is that you're also willing and able to see and hear another person. Okay, that's, that's good. That's very concise. Uh, and what thinking about this, I did start to realize like there's really two aspects and I do want to cover this as we talk more, but it really is in my mind, it's like, there is those two parts. One is like how, you know, how can you, what do you need to do to be more intimate, you know, with other people, how you share yourself. And the other thing is setting that stage or the environment is what I think of it as to where they can feel comfortable opening up with you. So yeah, it really is like a two way, two way street. You've talked a lot about trust building building trust, right? Um, and there's so many. The reason why it's also the flip side is because so many of the time, so much of the time, we tend to re we tend to listen with the intent of responding instead of just listening to receive. I'm guilty of that. <laughs> we all, I found that we all are. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's no, it's really tricky. It's like, you know, you're having conversations where I said something and it's like, you get an idea in your head and it's, you have to like consciously like do active listening, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. easy to not to. So um, one other thing I was thinking with preparing notes for this, like intimacy, I feel like relates a lot to like auth authenticity and then vulnerability, like I feel like these all kind of go together and kind of overlap. Have have you thought about that? And do you want to like, I'm sure you have thoughts about that and how they do overlap and kind of interact with each other. Yes. You know, I, I and when you have these jargon words or, or terms that we use in our, in our business world, uh, you know, I always try to make it into everyday language. So authenticity to me is truth. Um, so being my real self is when I attract or I am more attractive to like-minded people or people that are going to fit into my friendship or romance or sexual, uh, partnerships. Right. Um, so I always think of being authentic is being my true self. Like what am I in? Am I hiding? And we, we do, we all hide mm -hmm. things. But the more that I can um, peel off some of those layers as I begin to trust or feel more comfortable, then I become more and more of Kim. I am more and more my true self. And then people that are attracted to that or to me are more aligned. There's more resonance. Um, 
vulnerability to me is almost a four letter word, <laughs> but it's, um, it, it's, it's allowing, I, I had a coach one time that told me it's like dropping the kimono, um, whether it's physical, sexual intimacy or emotional intimacy, but allowing someone, you know, allowing those parts of you that you may or may not be so quick to show. Mm-hmm. Being vulnerable means I'm, I'm going to put it out there and and realize that there's a risk, you know, I, there's, I think I was listening to one of your podcasts where they talked about saying, I love you first, or it might've been Brene Brown, but oh yeah, basically yeah, that, yeah. that dilemma, right? Wow. I'm really attracted to you, or I think I'm falling in love with you. And do you want the person to respond to you authentically? Or do you want them to tell you what you want to hear? Right. It, we, we all know the sting, right? When they say, oh, wow, I really enjoy being around you, but I still want to, I still want to see other people or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, but the truth is, is where the connection is. Yeah. And, and I'll say this. I think that if you, you, you I, I think we want the truth in the sense that if we get it, then we can, we can make adjustments, right? So if somebody yeah. say, lie, if I say like, I love you and you or the person lies, says, I love you back, right? That throws me off, right? Then I'm going to act differently. If they, if you, let's say it's you and I having this conversation and you come back to say, <laughs> so I say, Kim, I love you. And you say, Steve, thank you very much. You know, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel exactly <laughs> the same way, but I appreciate you feeling that way so much, Steve. Thank you. You know, then at mm-hmm. least it lets me kind of feel like where we stand. And yes, there's going to be some sting, right? But then I can like adjust, right? And then, and then things don't have to be weird and we kind of go on or whatever. And I think of that with parenting too. Uh, as, this is great. This is like a parenting episode, right? Because I think everything we're going to talk <laughs> here is going to get into how do you communicate with your kids? But I remember um, slight tangent, but it's like with drugs and alcohol, how do you talk to your kids about drugs and alcohol? And this one book I was reading was like, if you're just like totally anti, like you can never, you know, be high, drink alcohol, anything like that. All you're going to do is shut your kids down, right? So mm-hmm. you need to have that like, that ability to have that open conversation and create that place where they can come to you with questions because then you have the chance to kind of help people. So they're like, even though you might not like to hear that your kids can, you know, wants to go out and get high or whatever, at least if you know, then you can be a parent and help kind of guide, you know, and, and help them make, you know, I'm going to say better decisions. That sounds so nerdy, (laughs) but you know, that's, that's, but if you just shut it down with like an absolute thing, then you have no conversation. So, yeah. And you know, that that's a big topic around um, sex as well. I've, I've parented two daughters and I've parented them very differently because of where I was in my life. And, you know, I, we ended up coming around and having these more open conversations, but I do believe that it's important that they have factual information. And if I don't Mm -hmm. have the facts, you know, we can find the answers together so that you're making informed decisions. And there's that part of it. And then there's the emotional part of it. Um, and the physical, do you understand what's happening in your body? And, you know, so there's all these pieces that if I shut it down with, you shouldn't have sex or you can only have sex when or if, um, first of all, I'm imposing my judgment on that. And I'm not giving them the tools to make those decisions for themselves. 
Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite moments as a parent has been when out of the house, adult daughters can say, hey, mom, you got a second? And that's a cue. I, I want to call. I need to talk. And they will actually preface the conversation with, this is a phone call that I need you to just listen. Okay. I don't need questions. I don't need advice. Or they'll say, I'm going to share some stuff with you. And it's really hard for me to talk about it. And at the end, I want to talk about what my options are. So when they can actually say what it, you know, what it is they need from me to, to handle this topic or this phone call, I'm just like a proud mama at that moment <laughs> it's mm-hmm. because they've, they've, they've learned to realize what they need and how to ask for it. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, that reminds me one of uh, my partners I'm seeing right now writes in a journal, okay, and will share this with me. And we have talked about how uh, they don't write in it like every single day or anything like that, right? But I've noticed like the writing and the things I'll put in there, it's usually about like how they're feeling, what's going on, or whatever like that, right? But sometimes it's like they're communicating to me, but it's not directly to my face. And therefore, they will share stuff that they wouldn't normally share if we were talking face to face, you know? And a lot mm. of times it is deeper but it, i think just like you're talking about it's it's more along the th- the lines of like this is how i feel we don't need to have a conversation about it i'm just you know sharing it with you but i found like it's really helpful to have like yeah. for us that avenue to to be able to kind of share that and it wouldn't happen honestly if it was like face to face it's just and it's not like anybody really wants to hide it it's just that we wouldn't always talk you know like on that level so that's interesting i like the way that you did, was that your idea to set that up with your daughters or did they kind of stumble? It, it on? evolved. It evolved as I learned. And yeah, cause I was sort of learning about the time they were getting out of the house. So. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, let, let's talk a second before we get into all the intimacy part about vulnerability, because everybody hates to be vulnerable. Okay. Yes. As we're talking though, I'm realizing, and we were talking about like, you know, uh, opening up and letting people come and tell you in some respects, horrible things that you don't really want to hear. But, you know, that to me is like, okay, you've got to be able to put yourself in a vulnerable position to be able to hear, you know, things that might sting or hurt or kind of bad news. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the vulnerability or, or how to do, do you have any suggestions on like how to do that better? Because so many people are like, I don't like being vulnerable. And so do you have tips just on like how to be able to be in the moment that way? And yeah. Um, one of the things I love to do with, with coaching clients is um, to preface it with, hey, there's something I want to share with you, and it makes me feel really vulnerable or nervous or anxious, but it's important. Is this a good time? Are you in a place where you can listen? You know, so you're sort of preface, prepping the conversation um, so that they can know how you're feeling about it. I like that tool. The other thing I like is teaching the person who's listening um, how to receive information. Um, I I like the way, I'm, I'm curious, side note, I'm curious about the journaling and how you respond to written information. But in a verbal, in a verbal communication, and especially face-to-face, is being able to stay connected, like to to make eye contact, to not interrupt. And when they feel like there's a pause in the, and they're waiting, they've shared something really vulnerable and to acknowledge it 
And sometimes acknowledging is simply saying thank you for sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does, yeah, yeah. And being able to stay in and go, how does it feel, you know, and be able to share impact. That's good. I, I like the, how does it feel? That was, I've learned like with open-ended questions, um, which again, for just good communication, open-ended questions are wonderful. But I found in doing research, it was like, the answer doesn't always matter. Usually what you're doing with the open-ended question is you're asking the person to go a little deeper. So where you're like, yeah. well, how does that feel? Somebody tells you something and you're like, how does that feel? Or like, tell me more about that or whatever. And it's, it's like that person usually digs a little deeper, but it's like, that can be a great response, you know, because it's, it is showing that you're interested in listening and, and that is sharing just, you know, and you're not having, you know, do not go try to fix it. You know, that's the biggest thing. Like yes. Somebody share something with you. Well, let me tell you what your problem is. You, what you need to do is, you know, that's not, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, yeah. It's hard to, and you know, the, the term that we use is called holding space sometimes. But um, we, practice, we practice that in our community every week. Um, every Sunday when we meet, um, either men, to get, men and women together or separate, you know, in some shape, form, or fashion, we have practiced. Called, they're called check-ins and it's let me feel you tell me what's up for you right now in this moment and for those two or three minutes each person gets to share there's no coaching there's no advice giving there's no commenting there's no oh yeah me too it's the practice of being vulnerable and open but it's also the practice of being present and listening and that's it do you, do you find, I could see uh, maybe myself, but some people like being like, well, okay, so I'm just going to talk. And at the end, I'm not going to get any feedback. And I could see people being nervous about that. Um, do you find that that happens? And what, what are your thoughts there? Do you have suggestions? The is asking, asking someone, would you like some feedback? I'd love to share the impact of what you said, or I, um, you know, when you said that I noticed, which is part of that intimate conversation, right? But what, what about like, if you, if I'm just a talk and then not expect like, and then we're just going on to the, say the next person, right? And so I'm not going to get feedback. That could be weird for me to be, to be sharing Talk, you know, I'm going to say about personal things like that. And then there'd be like no response. So is that, do you, is that something just to kind of work on to kind of like, yeah, that's a little bit scary, Steve, just practice it. Like, is that what you, <laughs> it's, I think me? so. I think it's a practice of being seen and heard. Right. So yes, part of that is the, um, the discomfort of not having someone justify or acknowledge or respond to you. But there's also um, a time in the meeting later where we play a game called hot seats. And that's a chance to put attention on someone. So when that comes up, like if that situation came up for you, you would go after the check-ins, I would like some feedback. I want to be acknowledged for something. Or can I be on the hot seat? Like I want somebody to tickle me, ask for questions. I want to see what else is there. Um, I want to connect with you about this. 
So, so Kim, can you tell us a little bit about like, you know, somebody who's listening, who they want to like, try to like open themselves up more, be a little bit more vulnerable and share, you know, more intimacy. What, what kind of things would you recommend that they do to, to be able to be more authentic and more intimate with other people? First one is making sure that you're actually in the present moment, um, our brain usually tells us lots of stories and tapes and makes you believe that you're going to die because you're in something that feels unfamiliar. So being able to Mm -hmm. safely assess where am I, what am I doing and some way to get yourself in your body. You know, I, I guide people lots of times with where are your feet? Where's your butt? What color is the ceiling? Um, What's one thing you could just being aware of, yeah. Yeah. Just, it's a, it's a really okay. quick, it takes me longer to say it than it takes you to do it. Um, the okay. other one is, is the inside of your wrist is just very gently touching and um, stroking the inside of your wrist just for a moment usually brings you back into your body. The same thing, um, the back of your neck, anything that can get you back into your body and have the brain um, calm down a little bit. Um Next, right? Is it called grounding? Yes, it can be very grounding, but it's to me, it's more uh, awareness and presence in the moment, right? I can be present in the moment and still be, you know, pretty revved up and excited and not necessarily super grounded. Mm, But yeah, this is a this is a technique to make sure that like I would do it, you know feel my wrists or my hands. And that is to keep me present in the moment. So I'm sort of, in some respects, focused and listening. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And then if, you know, if it's a situation where somebody is going into a social setting or a date and they find themselves overwhelmed and, and just really afraid, um, the other trick is what is the next right step? You know, we don't have to decide if if we're going to go home together tonight after dinner, the next right step is I want to uh, see if he pulls my chair out, or I want to um, talk about what we're going to order for an appetizer, or I'm curious what, what his day was like um, or what her day was like. Um, So you can choose what the next right step is and then the next right step and the next right step. Because each one of those builds on the other. And that's how you build trust in the relating between the two people. But it's also how you build trust in your own system, which I think historically, it may be true for men, you can tell me, but historically for women, um, we don't stop long enough to evaluate, Am I? do I feel safe? Do, does this feel like a next step I could take? Expand on that. I'm, I, I'm not sure if I follow you, so can you expand? Um, yeah. So it's like um, an example would be, um, would you like to come over for a drink on Friday night? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll assume that, you know, we've had some interaction and, and dating and conversations and um, activities up until that point. And so the brain goes, well, what does he want? What, what are my boundaries? What are we going to do? What does the drink mean? What if I don't want to drink? Well, you know, all of that and being able to, to give an authentic yes 
or an authentic yes and. So instead of just saying yes, because you want to be with the person or you want to please them or, you know, mm-hmm. teaching the yes and. Yes, I would love to see you. It makes me nervous uh, to be in your home right now. Could we meet at a local bar? Right. That's the authentic, vulnerable piece. So, and I like that too, because I feel like, so, so first off, you know, we like, a, I guess all of us on the show that are like usually host on here, it's like, we're all, we, we do a lot of BDSM type education type things. Right. And so with BDSM to me, a lot of times what you're doing is you're trying to figure out how to do what you want to do, but we're going to try to do it in a safe way that is good for everybody. Yeah. You know, and so what I hear you is that answers the same thing. Yes, I would like to drink, and and then you're adding in what you need to where you can feel comfortable and safe and make it make it good. So I feel like yeah, that is something that you almost always we can add in. I'm going to say that and aspect mm-hmm. to you know of like this is what I this is what I need. Right, so. because the yes and keeps it in play. Like. We, when we're in the world of relating and being in connection with other people, you want the game to keep going. And even in a BDSM mm-hmm. scene, right? You you want you don't want to hear red. You don't want to hear stop. You want the play to keep mm-hmm. going. So the way you set up the agreements and the boundaries and the safe words and all of that in the very beginning determines to a large degree, how long and how much you can play, right? Yeah. So what, okay, so if I am trying to, you know, let my guard down, how do I do that safely? Because um, like you were saying earlier, there is risk involved. You know, if I'm going to expose a secret that I have or something, you know, let's, for example, you and I are talking, okay, and we're getting to know each other and I'm going to take a chance and share something with you. Okay. But there's like, there's a risk, right? Cause I guess you could be judgmental or what? I don't know you well enough uh-huh. yet. So I don't know how you're going to react. Okay. What, what do you suggest for people there? Do you have like tips or techniques that, that will help make that safer and easier for people? The number one is just checking in with self first. You know, does this feel like a manageable risk? You know, it, for example, if, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, like if I were going to tell someone that uh, I was interested in dating, that I'm divorced and I had children, right? Um, is it is it time? Is it does it feel safe enough to open that part of me? And the other side of that is is that if we hold back the authenticity or the you know of who we are because we're afraid of being rejected or we're afraid this won't be a good fit. Um, Is it the right fit anyway? If I withhold a part of me or if I don't give all of the information or I say things when I don't really mean them, you know, then all of a sudden you're not getting, you're not getting Kim. You're not getting me. You're getting some version of me that I'm contorting um, to hopefully attract you instead of trusting that if this is a connection between the two of us that will grow into something, then I'm worthy. Yeah. I'm worthy of someone that gets attracted to me for me, not because of how I shaped or 
tried to fit in. I, you know, we talk so, a lot where it's not, you want a good quality person. And by that, usually I think what we end up meaning is like a good fit. And I think that's what you're saying. Like if you're mm-hmm. not going to be authentic, if you're not going to be able to present who you actually are, then I think what you're saying is like, is that really a good fit? Mm-hmm. Is, that what, is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Because, and then you just keep going, right? Then you're building, you're building relating on, on this version of you that you have to keep holding up. And then we all know, you know, what happens over, over years of that. (laughs) And and I also heard you say, sort of, you alluded to this, that it's like, you know, you're choosing, let's say, you know, you're, you're divorced and you've got kids, right? You're trying to divide, you want to, and you're, you can feel it inside, share that with this other person. And then the question kind of comes up, I think, like you said, like, when is the right time? So, is I know uh, Ava, who's on the show a lot, always talks about breadcrumbing, where she'll be like, "Oh, I throw this thing mm-hmm. out there, and I see how the person reacts, and then I decide did they act was that so you know was that okay or not okay? Am I safe to like go further?" So I think in that case, she's like feeling the the person out a little bit, you know. So so I right. guess it might. I think what you're saying is like be wise about what you're choosing to share and when. And then are you, are, I guess we're doing it as like piecemeal, right? So we are putting like Ava's approach, mm-hmm. you put something out there that is not too risky and you see how people react before going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that idea of breadcrumbing. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. It's, um, I'm trying to think of an example. It's, it's like um, the way that you tend to meet someone. So if I, or to meet someone at a music event. So music is a big part of me. And if I were to meet someone at a music event, we've already got something in common. And so having dinner or a walk and talking about music would feel, you know, it'd be easy for me to, to share that part of me mm-hmm. um, and see how they respond. And do they dive in and offer something back? Or do they ask for more depth or more clarification? Do they actually listen how how do I know when is the right time to let my guard down? Because from an authentic standpoint, I would say like, yeah, that's ideally what I would love to do. I would just love to share who I am openly. You know, that's that. Right, right. <laughs> that is, you know, not always the best thing to do right away. So, so how do I know when it's okay to like lower my guard and take a risk? I think a lot of it has to do with the relational space between the two people. So if you've breadcrumbed, for example, if you've shared some little things and they've been forgotten or they immediately said something about themselves that made them look interesting rather than being interested in what I'm talking about or what I'm opening up or sharing, I think those are big cues. Um, If where, you know, the positive side would be that they actually stayed with me, um, were asked more questions, were interested in me rather than trying to think of what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. I think that's one way of building that trust that I can keep going, that I can share a little bit more. Okay. Um, I, I almost always will check in with my system, you know, uh, I've got little tricks and tips for how to 
to get a yes and a no from my body. If you're, you know, one of them is if you're standing um, and you ask a, a question, if your body tends to lean forward or back, you know, there's a, there's a way to sort of tell, oh yeah, this is safe or this is not. Okay. That's um, yeah. How I'm leaning forward. I must feel safe. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what you just made me think of too? This is kind of funny. We've had episodes where it's like, do not play games. You know, we'll sort of say that as, you know, the general, general rule and nobody likes playing games right. or we don't like to be tested. We're like, don't test the person just be in the moment. But what, like with talking with you, what I'm realizing is like, we really, in many ways, I think this is healthy. We really are kind of testing each other. And again, this is not a bad thing. I think it is kind of like looking for that fit, but you're sort of like, you're throwing this breadcrumb out there, right? The answer doesn't matter. How they answer is what matters, you know, like, are they paying attention to me or are they talking about themselves, which with Ava and Brandy, Brandy has had some bad experiences and it's like an instant turnoff where the person is just all focused on them and, you know, she'll be polite, but she'll be like thinking to herself, like this ain't just not going anywhere because all you do is care about yourself. So it is interesting to me as we're talking, it's like, yes, you do want to be in the moment and listen to what the person says. But I think so often we are kind of doing this, this, uh, we're feeling the other person out to find out again, are we kind of a good fit, but it is sometimes the, the, the words that come back from them maybe don't matter as much as like how they're responding. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. But what jumped out at me there is like, we're always like, don't play games, don't do tests. And it's like, no, we're kind of don't play games. (laughs) We're always like, but there's a difference. There's a difference in, I I do believe I don't like playing games either. I, you know, that, oh, I'm not going to kiss, I'm not going to kiss her until I was like, you know, what if the first date you're like, I'd really like to kiss you. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then let them be a yes or a no. Um, I'm absolutely on, on that wavelength. You know, it's like, if I feel it, I want to say it and it's okay if it's a no. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, but there's the, the playing the game piece when it's intentional as a game doesn't feel good to me. You know, like I'm constantly, I want to make you want me, or I'm going to make you text first. I was like, mm-hmm. do you want to text text? Yeah. If you don't get an answer back, you know, that that's a clue. That's a breadcrumb that didn't get picked up. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like somebody who is playing games, like I'm not going to text you to like, I I would be like, you, you just lost. Like, you know, you've met like that now, you, you know, you're not, that's like almost like one of those little mini tests of like, that, you know, not what you say that matters, but like how you act. I'd be like, that would be something like, I don't want to be in a relationship where you're going to be doing that to me all the time. Like, well, it's like being tested and you didn't know there was a test. <laughs> right. Right. Which I think that goes on. I think a lot of times with relationships and, but I would also suggest like, I don't care. Like this is me personally. It's like, I don't care if you're going to test me. Like if I'm just going to, like, I just want to kind of be able to be me, you know? And if you're going to do some dumb test, I don't care if I pass or fail, you know, I need to give my authentic answer. And if you don't like it, then, oh, well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, I, I tend to be a little more straightforward. <laughs> but, um, let's talk about like what what we can do to kind of set that environment where other the other person can feel really kind of comfortable with us. And I will tell you, I was uh, I did some coaching earlier today, and I'm, we're 
talking with the person and we were going over like sort of like what are their strengths and you know like as far as like attractive strengths and strong points and one of them was like that they're really good at sort of being able to kind of create this safe environment right and so people open up to them and i'm sitting there going like that's that's awesome you're going to be a wonderful seducer you know because it's like you're able to kind of make people it's not really make people you're able to give this environment where people feel comfortable sharing things with you. And like, that is a huge kind of gift, you know? And so, um, so, so this person was doing it, I think really pretty naturally, but what are things like somebody who's not totally comfortable or really kind of has to work at this more? What do you suggest that they do? You number one is eye contact and, um, being able to acknowledge uh, another person, whether it's through a nod or a wave or a spoken word, um, it doesn't have to be, you know, zero to 60, but being able to just start to lay those little, what, if you want to call them breadcrumbs, but I think of it as scaffolding. So, oh, wow, that, that felt good. Let's try, you know, the next step. Let's try the next step. Um, being able to hold space and listen to someone when they're speaking or sharing um, acknowledging, um, I love it when people are able to give that active listening piece. Oh, what I heard was, you know, oh, and being yeah. able to, to have the active authentic relating piece in there, um, is a good way to get people to open up. I find I do that a lot because I want to make sure that I'm on track and really understanding them. And I think, I think often it's like they appreciate it because they're like, yeah, cool. You do get it, what I'm saying. you, And then it's like you kind of right. go on. So go on. I didn't mean to interrupt But that's you. a big skill. No, no, you're great. That, that to me is a, we practice that in authentic relating games too, is being able to share. Okay, so this is what I heard you say. Does this feel true to you? Or this is what it feels like to me. How does it feel like to you? I think part of that back and forth um, and acknowledging and sharing impact is important for letting someone feel like they can continue to open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there certain questions or ways to ask questions that you can like put it out there to help sort of draw in some ways I'm going to say you're draw, trying to draw not information. You're, you're trying to give the person the opportunity to, sh to share that vulnerable piece with you. You know, so you're trying to make yourself kind of save it. Mm -hmm. But are there ways to like ask questions that to help kind of? Oh, yeah. And in some ways, I guess I'm saying like asking personal questions, right? In which a lot of times people don't want to ask personal questions. Like, I don't know you. It's not appropriate for me to ask a personal question. But do you feel like it's maybe actually a good thing to do to try to be a little bit more personable and ask, ask those deeper things of somebody? I do. I mean, I don't like water cooler conversations or bar conversations. Oh, how's the weather? What do you like yeah. to drink? Yeah. Like, I was like, no, I mean, you know, what, what was something you did today that made, made you proud of yourself? You know, what are you looking forward to? What's, what's your favorite, you know, whatever the, the, I'm not coming up with very good examples, but whatever the, the conversation or the setting is, is asking those open-ended questions that show the the other party that you're open to hearing, that you're open to listening. So 
for example, if this were um, um, a BDSM uh, situation, you know, being able to say, what what was your first experience like? What's your what's something you wanted to do that you haven't had a chance to try? Mm-hmm. You know, so you're asking asking questions and something that you know they already have an interest in, mm. and then really trying to ask them so that they can expand and not just give a yes no answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I have a question for you. I guess okay, you had mentioned early on that you had a bout with cancer, you know, and went through that. So so that would be to me something very personal, mm-hmm. right? So if it's like you and I out on a first date, somebody might say like, oh, you should not go into that topic. Like could be too touchy, you know, don't do it. But would you feel like, like, no, like to ask about that and to be interested, I'm, I'm kind of asking if I was to like bring that up and you and I were to talk about it, was that going to, as an example, is that going to make you tend to feel more uncomfortable and you kind of be like, Steve, you know, <laughs> back off a little bit, you know, I don't want to go in that. Or are you going to be more of like, Hey, thanks for asking. Yes, that's very personal, but thank you for being interested. Like for you personally, what, how, how does that topic kind of strike you? And uh, cause I'm interested in how I'm interested in your reaction to it. Are you open? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just will, this will be this January is 19 years um, survivor, 18 years survivor. Um, it means that you see me. Okay. Yeah. If okay. you ask me, if you ask me about my breast cancer, you're interested in me. You're interested in what has happened to me. How did I survive? How did I handle it? Like, and then we can talk about how much of this do you want to know? You know? Mm, Um, but for me, for me personally, and I think it happens a lot with breast cancer, um, patients is we do all of the thing and, and you survive and, and the doctor goes, okay, you're, you know, you ring the bell, you go home. It forever changes you. Mm -hmm. It's a big pivotal part of your life. And whether it was a hard fought chemo journey or, you know, a surgery or whatever, I absolutely, because if you don't say something, why are you avoiding me is where my brain goes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My, my thought on that is just like, that's, that's one of those topics. I think people would be like, don't necessarily talk about it, especially in a first date. And I think a lot of times those are often like the topics that can mean the most, you know, because they are so personal. Mm-hmm. I, so I guess my thought and my suggestion to, to those listening is like, don't be afraid to go into those very personal spaces, you know, and that it can be really kind, I think, to to ask. Now, if somebody doesn't want to talk about it, I think then you honor that, you know, when you back off and then that, that yes. points there because you were willing to back off. But to ask the question, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And I, I, I didn't think you would take it as a bad, as I think I liked your response. Thank you. Because to me, my gut feeling was like, no, this, <laughs> this is this because I'm going to say risky, but because it's a little bit risky, it's like, that's where the, the, the meaning is, you know, it's a, it's a question of substance, mm-hmm. and like, but you gave a really good answer. That's like, no, I'm, I'm going to say taking the time to try to get to know and understand you. So. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a real it's a real life piece. It's not something that's superficial. And there's another big component here is 
learning how to trust that the other person can take care of themselves. Like you don't have to take care of my emotional reaction to being questioned about my cancer journey. Mm -hmm. Like if you trust that I've got this and I trust that whatever questions I ask about your personal life, that you will, you will hold your boundaries and tell me what you're ready to say and, and hold the pieces that you're not ready. I think that's part of entering into these um, relationships and activities as adults is that I trust you to, to take care of yourself. I'll share this, like with uh, myself, if I'm talking to somebody and I'm trying to help them open up my kind of go-to, I guess, is that as far as like the vulnerability, okay, it's like, it's good for me to try to be vulnerable first. So if I can put myself out there a little bit, you know, maybe sharing, sharing, whether it's a story or sharing a bit of information or something like that. But if I can kind of go first and that often, I feel like sets the the tone of the conversation and lets them know like, okay, that they are okay to sort of share, you know, back like that. And I kind of find that, that you, you get in that back and forth habit of like each person kind of giving a little bit, you know, each time. But I feel like for me personally, I'm kind of like, okay, I'll go first, you know, that, that I'll take yeah. the risk. I'll try to open up. And if I do that, that the other person generally you know, that is going to, that's going to help them feel comfortable and, and know that they can. So. Absolutely. You know that, and it's, it even happens in reparation, you know, like when couples need coaching around something and they're basically at a, a stalemate, well, she needs to do this and he needs to do that. And it's like, you know, somebody has to go first. Mm-hmm. You know, and it and it's being able to actually in that situation is being able to say the reparation of this means more to me than my discomfort of admitting, you know, making an admission here. I'm going to go first. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess and going back to like the breadcrumbing, when you go first, you pick the thing that if the other person doesn't respond or doesn't respond well, you've picked something that's small enough that, hey, that's okay, I can deal with it and therefore safe enough for me to kind of yeah. put it out there and go for it. Yeah, okay, no, that, that helps. Your, 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 risk is, your risk is comparable to the step you took, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So do you wanna try to answer this question like for our, our listener? Um, who wrote in and, and in the email to me and, uh, you know, they said like one of their personal scariest struggling points was just dealing with like that fear of intimacy. So that was their topic, fear of intimacy, both romantically and sexually. So um, I guess what would, how would you want to respond to them? Like, as far as, you know, they're asking like, what can I do to get over my fear of intimacy <laughs> in a really simple answer, like how would you address that, or, or what, <laughs> which, which direction? I should ask, what direction would you want to point them, or what advice would you want to give to them personally? I like to have people um, think of and talk to me about the best case. What would what would be a successful experience? Like sexual is is an easy one to. It's concrete, physical, sexual intimacy is um, you're, you've made it to this point and you're scared to death. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be seen taking my clothes off or you know, whatever. We have so many different fears that come up is for them to imagine what a 
fantastic first experience would be. And then back into it, um, what would be the, the step that would get you there? What would be the foreplay that would make it feel good? Where do you find your turn on around this? And then being able to make those smaller steps. So it's, it's taking a, a big thing and breaking it down into smaller steps. You know, um, for example, you know, one of the uh, one of the nicest activities I usually have couples try is watching each other get undressed or helping take turns taking clothing off. So you've already agreed you're going to do something physically intimate together. Mm-hmm. And just like we do when you have a when you have a, a scene in in a dungeon or a play space, same thing with sex. Being able to say, you know, I'm really turned on by the thought of being physically intimate with you. This is what I'm curious about. This is my it's called desires, fears, and boundaries. This is what I would love to do. This is what I'm afraid of, and this is my boundary. Like no penetration tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. My fear is, is that you you won't be interested because I've taken away the one thing that you wanted. I mean, it's a fear. That. My desire would be to give each other massages and to enjoy kissing and um, discover where our erogenous zones are because we don't know each other this way. So having that conversation beforehand, after you've already imagined what the fantastic successful experience would be and being able to share desires, fears, and boundaries, and then invite them to do the same. Almost always, by the time you're finished with that conversation, you're going to have your experience outlined. Okay. So, so let me, so question related to that. Okay. So let's pretend you and I are out on our coffee date. Okay. So we're sitting at whatever the coffee shop with people around us. Okay. So we're getting to know each other a little bit, but we sort of, we'll say that we, maybe this is our second time. Second, second date. Okay. So we have, we kind (laughs) of like each other or whatever. Right. And we're, and we're at that point where we're talking about, you know, doing something. Okay. So it's Mm -hmm. at least like kinky people do this all the time where it's like, we have not played. Let's talk about how we're going to play. Right. If you're not kinky, if you're more on that vanilla side, it's like, you might not do it. But my point here is, okay, if we're at that, if we're having our date and we're at that, that coffee shop or whatever. Okay. And we're just kind of talking then, um, in some ways, like, how do we walk into that? Right. So I, we might be like, yeah, yeah, we, we should, we should do something. I would like to do something with you sometime. And then, and then what? And then we're walking into like, well, what do you like? Like, is that maybe a good kind of questions to then mm-hmm. kind of ask or pose? That's the, and, the desires, right? Okay. All right, so then we talk yeah. about well, this is this is what I like, Kim, and what do you like? And then, then are we into, well, like, well, hey, when we do this, like, if, like I don't, I don't know your body, and I don't know what you like. So when we do this later tonight after the movie, you know, will you show me? Like, do we kind of go in and like ask those kind of questions? Is that does that feel like a decent flow of things? I mean, to me, it does because that makes that, that makes me feel safer because then okay. I'm not I'm not going to the movie and all during the movie going, 
what what's going to happen? What does he want? What if it's not what I want? What if I change my mind? Is my no okay? Like yeah, yeah. Because we've already covered, we've already had that verbal conversation and agreement around what we think will happen, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I think this too. Like if I, by having that conversation, right, and and you starting to feel more comfortable, um, in some respects, it's getting you're probably going to start feeling me out. Um, I'm just thinking if we're actually doing this, you're probably going to start feeling me out that like, oh, the questions he's asking, if I need to say no, or I'm not, or I've changed my mind or whatever, that Stephen is probably going to be like, okay, you know, which again, I think establishes and builds more safety and trust, you know, but trust. yeah, but I like, yeah, trust. Um, okay. That's interesting. You know, I like, that's great, great response. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I sort of, I'm curious, I'm, I'm curious for you. Does, I mean, like would that, would more information as opposed to less information make you feel safer? Well, yes. I mean, I like talking about this stuff all the time. Right. And so if I go on a date with somebody, um, it's not uncommon to like sort of get into these questions. Okay. And, and some of that is, yeah. I think because of the, the BDSM kink education, you know, we are taught like, let's, let's talk about things beforehand. Okay. And then that can often be really intimidating to people who are not used to doing it. Like, how would I ever do that in a coffee shop? And, and my feeling is like, <laughs> you kind of work it right on in. It doesn't have to be weird or anything. Right. So as you're getting to know this person, I think part of it is like, well, what, you know, what do you like in bed? Right. That can be a fun kind of question. You know, like we're, we're not saying, Hey, we're going to go to bed. Absolutely. Starting to play with the idea and even, and just playing with the idea can then get us thinking about it. Do we want to do this? Is that you're like, yes, that does sound fun, you know? And again, yes, it does mm -hmm. sound like my boundaries are going to be honored and this is safe, which means often then you're like, yes, I really do want to do that. You know? So I think like, yeah, to me, having those kind of I would have those conversations just up front. You know, I just, to me, they're part yes. of like flirting, you know, it's it, like it is flirting, yes. but establishing that you are going to be the safe, trustworthy person. La last week's episode was all on like, you have to demonstrate this, you know? So I feel like having these kind of conversations is a lot of that demonstration of like, who are you? That you're taking the time to have this conversation up front before we go do all the sexy things. But I also feel like it just paves the way that, we have that when we do something, it's going to be that much hotter. Like we've already like turned up the heat, you know, everybody wants it, you know. And I was then, just what, <laughs> yeah. That was what I was just going to say. I mean, the word that's, that's just looming in my head is anticipation. And from, from my sexual style, like that's, that's half the game right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's while I enjoy the active sex, it's that, that playful, flirty um, anticipation and and imagining and talking with, I mean, that turns me on just as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think, I really think we almost care about that in some respects, like more than just like getting off, right? Getting off is easy. We don't even have to go out mm -hmm. of the house. We can just stay home and take care of it ourselves. So then it's like, what makes us actually be like, I'm going to go out and put forth a ton of effort to go meet somebody, have conversations, you know, spend money, do this, like, because we actually want that connection, you know, and we, 
therefore, I think we really relish when we're having these conversations and you're starting to feel that connection. I think that matters to, to people a lot. I think more than we're really consciously of, you know, that that's, the, I think we do want the drive, I, yeah. intimacy, not just the sex, the sex is good, but we don't, we could stay home and just get ourselves off and Hey, wonderful. So easy. So it's that, I really think it is that connection and intimacy that pushes us to go through all this effort. Right. I mean, yeah, the hookup culture versus relating, right? I mean, it, we could get off on your own or you could, you know, have an arrangement. That's fine. But it's, I think it's two years. If, if the way that we initially have sex or learned how to have sex, um, this amount of foreplay, this thing happens, everybody has an orgasm, roll over, go to sleep or, mm -hmm. you know, leave the house. Um, if we don't change it, over time and we don't uh, um, discover new things or talk about it or find other ways to be aroused in each other's presence in two years your human body is bored interesting and that corresponds with um you know divorce rates and cheating and, and all these things that happen when we when we are in relationships where we don't change things, which is the whole idea behind ethical non-monogamy too, mm -hmm. right? Is being able to have these different pieces with different people so that I'm never actually bored. I'm never habituated. I'm constantly meeting new people and developing connections. Some of them may be sexual. Some of them may be more emotional, you know, however you design it. But that's what I love about that kind of lifestyle as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I've heard, that's interesting you said the two years. I've heard very similar things. I didn't know the exact time frame. Um, I think someplace I heard maybe it was like four years, you know, but it was the same. Well, see, I love evolution. And evolution was like, it's in your best interest to not stay around for forever. Like, okay, it's it's like, it, it depends <laughs> man or woman we sort of have different goals okay because like women it's like you get pregnant and it's like that's nine months right there you have to have the child and you raise and men can be like boom i'm in i'm out you know there's so there's some differences with the way things work for evolution but one of the things that i read i, I want to say it was like four years because in some ways it's like the parents only need to live long enough for that kid to make it to where they can live an event, you know, on. so it's like if the parents die and the kid is at age 10, we'll say, right. But that kid has learned enough that he now lives and he can go on later and reproduce and like, great, the parents only need to be around till age 10. And it seems really rough when you're starting to think about that. But evolution, the way it works is like, you're supposed to survive, but only barely like mathematically, you know, you barely, <laughs> because if you start to survive some too much, mm -hmm. then something comes along to balance that out. Right. So the, so I had always heard like the, the, like two, two years makes sense, but it was like two to four years. It was not very long that you really need to have like, quote, a couple stay together and stay invested in raising this kid. It wasn't very long. And, you know, we, mm -hmm. wise like we stay together a lot longer, you know, past that. But I think, you know, this thing was just sort of saying like, we don't necessarily have to, and that's not historically what, you know past human beings have always done or so. So it was really, really interesting, but it makes sense. Like you're saying, if, if you, you've got to kind of change it up and keep people interested, otherwise it is, I'm just going to say you can get bored. So yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the brain, right? I mean, I mean, 
we you do the same thing over and over again eventually it goes on autopilot and and not to knock i i do want to put a plug in here for those long-term relationships that stay in monogamy the reason they do are for these kinds of things is -hmm. that there's constantly connection and reevaluation and trying new things and staying connected both physically emotionally spiritually like how do we create the the relationship just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I think it was when I was doing some work in Brooke Castillo's uh, life coaching school, and she said relationships are successful if they're working fifty one percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. That's sort of a fifty <laughs> <laughs> So, so Kim, do me a favor. So kind of wrapping some of this up. Okay. So like I ask myself a lot of times, okay, we've been talking about all this stuff. Like, what does it mean? Like, why is all this important? Okay. So I think my, my question here is like, what are like for people listening, what are like three things that they can really do? Maybe start working on like, what are the three things you would want to leave them with that they can practice and should try to start do doing on their own to get better with the intimacy, whether it is like opening themselves up or helping others open up to them? What what are kind of your top three things that you think of? Top three things. I would say having um, real conversation, like truthful conversation, not just things that people can answer with yes or no or one word, and being able to hold that space. And the third one is in, I think I love the idea of being in the present moment. So I don't have to worry about if we have sex tonight, what's going to happen a month from now, like let a month come. Just what is the present moment? Oh yeah, this is connection. This is enjoyable. You know, it's adults choosing. We're always constantly worrying about the next thing. Yeah, yeah, not getting Sorry, lost what? in our head. But I was just going to say not getting lost in our head, like you're saying about like what yeah. the interesting kind of thing. Yeah. Think, think, think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll share my I'll share my thoughts and then you share yours. Okay, why does this matter? The intimacy, why is it so important that we had to do like an episode on it? Okay, so to me, it's like, what, what, there's kind of two parts I'm going to say. One, we want to be attractive. So much of the stuff we do on the show, we talk about like how can we be attractive to other people and attract the people that we care about, that we are interested in. How can we attract them to us? Okay. So the the vulnerability um, is, I do think of it as, well, I think of intimacy as being related to the authenticity. You know, I want to be myself, get, you know, people that are, uh-huh. that are a kind of good fit. Okay. And then, and then being vulnerable, kind of using vulnerability. I just find this, this really big, like skill of like, if you can do this, it is super attractive, you know? And, and thing. so to me, the intimacy part is by ha- trying to set that scene where they can feel comfortable with me and open up and share things, you know, and then I want that too. I want to be able to be authentic. Right. So I'm going to want to like be lowering my guard and be able to share, you know, with you, like who I am. And so why does this matter? It's like, that's like, then you're into like the important relationships, you know, and by that, I mean, you can feel the importance of that sort of connection that's kind of going on. So that's not to belittle or, or, you know, like two people that just want to like hook up and have sex, like that is, 
that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And they're not, we'll say in this case, they're not really taking the time to get to know each other. But to me, when you do have these kind of conversations, and they don't have to take very long, but when you do have a few of these conversations, mm -hmm. like you said, it gets you really excited to like know this person, you know, like I don't know them all that really well, but what I know so much is like, it's, it just pulls me in. Right. And so I, I feel like that's where this really matters. Okay. This is what is the intimacy part is what is going to really get us the quality people. And by that, I mean the people we really fit well with that we really like and that we really yes. like. So I feel like it's this awesome skill to like work on and practice. That's why I see it as like really important. And I think it plays into how do I, how can I be more attractive? Because if I can allow you to open up and just, Kim, just tell me those dirty thoughts you have that you don't tell everybody else it'll be safe with me. And maybe we can explore them. You know, it's like, that's fucking hot, you know, and that, and you can't do that with everybody. You know? <laughs> so it's like, that's right. a one, that is a wonderful shared kind of thing. If you can do that. And that is super attractive. But what you're doing is you're really using that intimacy and that vulnerability to kind of help create that attraction. But so that's my thoughts, I guess. I'm like, wow, I really want to do this episode and why I think intimacy is like super important. How, how would you say it for yourself? Why is intimacy important? I, I do believe that we are hardwired. It is part of our human um, condition to be connected. And intimacy in, in physical sexual realm um, is fairly easy because it's, it's, you know, we can take steps, right? Um, but I think that having these skills creates a more fulfilling life in all aspects. I have seen it improve when I'm teaching. I've seen it improve with my children. I've seen it improve with my girlfriends. I've even seen it improve with how I communicate with my parents who don't ride in this world with me at all. Mm -hmm. Um does it help those those intimate, romantic, sexual relationships? Yes, absolutely. Um, but I think that we need it. Um, and especially just thinking back over the last couple of years, right? We, we all have witnessed what happens when we shut this down and we're not around humans. You know, we, yeah. we lose this skill. And I, I, I do believe that it's needed. It's, it promotes the the production of the hormones in our body that make us happy, that make us feel good, that make us want to live. And I think that's super important. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you. Um, Kim. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. I really appreciate having the conversations with you. I knew, I just knew it'd be interesting and fun. So I, I thank you for that. You want to tell people like that who are interested in like checking you out? Like I know you have your website, but do you want to like share social media with mm -hmm. links or how people can follow you or get in touch with you? Sure. Um, website is kimholden.com. Email is kim at kimholden.com. And I believe on the Instagram, it's kimholdencoaching. Um, and that's the, the gist of where I am. Um, I do coaching. I do events. And um, pretty soon, I'm going to be venturing into this podcast world myself with um, intimate conversations with Kim. So okay. thank you for having me. Um, I would like to teach you one last thing, if you're willing. Yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> so intimacies, three, three parts. There was a moment during our talk today when you said something 
and what it showed me, what it mirrored back to me. So I'm going to share an intimacy with you. And if you want to, you can share one with okay. me. <laughs> the response is when you hear it, it's just to say thank you, which is I heard you. Okay. Um, there was a moment during our talk today when you said, what would happen or how would you feel if I asked about your cancer? And in that moment, I felt fully seen and a little bit naked all at the same time. Thank you, Kim. I heard, I heard that answer. I love that answer. <laughs> I, and I will say, I love that you're like, I felt a little bit naked. That is, to me, that is a really good feeling. Like, because you are a little bit vulnerable, a little bit exposed, but it's like you're being seen. And, and I use that term actually all the time. You know, like I want, like. Oh, really? I do. And talking to people and I don't mean it like I see you naked, but I like, I want to be able to be stripped down and like, you see like who I am. Like I want to be naked before you so you can see me. So yeah, when you said, yeah. Okay. So my turn to take a part. If you, of, if you want to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and just sharing something that was meaningful to me. Is that what you want me to say? Yep. Something, something I said that made you notice something about yourself. I mean, it could, it could be right now being put on the spot. <laughs> it can be, okay. So maybe that's what I'll go with. Okay. It's like, yeah, like right now I'm being put on the spot right? and I feel uh, vulnerable because I'm not coming up with anything very, very good, you know, like, um, I, I don't know. And I don't know why. Okay. But I do appreciate you that you're letting me be vulnerable right now and be in this kind of um, you know, slightly uncomfortable position. I do wish I had a better answer for you, but in some respects, I'm going to say that doesn't matter. It's the fact that you are kind of giving me the space and letting me, letting me be awkward at the moment, you know, and, and being okay with that. Like, I'm not feeling that there's judgment at all on me for it. Um, I feel the opposite and I can sit there, uh, I can see your smile you know, as we're talking on the, you know, with the videos, video on. And that kind of tells me like, no, like this is like safe and good. And so again, that goes back to like, okay, you're seeing me, like you said, a little bit naked, uh, but that, that feels good. So even in this quirky, awkward response, I appreciate it and it feels good. And so, so thank you for that. Well, Kim, thank you very much. I appreciate you very much for being on the show. I appreciate you going through all this with us. Uh, I know this was a longer episode, but I, I appreciate it because I think like we really got into a, a lot of really good topics and it's the, I feel like this is a really important show. You know, I think it's one of those things that's really going to benefit people. So thank you very much for, for taking the time to, to join me. Hey, and also before, before we go, I'd like to remind everybody that Kim Holden does do coaching She does, you know, as an intimacy coach. And so if you would like, if you have questions about what all she can do, check out her website at kimholden.com and uh, see the different courses that she offers and, and the different coaching things. And if you want to, shoot her a message and ask and start a conversation with her and see if she can help you out. Because I enjoyed today's episode and... And I personally think Kim would be great and fun to work with. 
Ethical Seduction would like to hear from you. Everybody's got their own like little tips and tricks that they do that really kind of help deepen connections with either flirting or interacting with other people. And we would really like to hear from different listeners. So if you have something that is on your mind that you think would really benefit others, go to ethicalseduction.com and leave us a message. There's a box where you can just click on the button and leave us a voicemail. And if, if we can, we'll be happy to use your suggestion on the air. Also, for a limited time, I'm setting up free attraction Kickstarter sessions. These will be free 45-minute sessions where we'll have time to chat about any sticking points that you might be currently experiencing. But also, I want to be able to help get you started developing your own attraction plan. And this will include us figuring out like what your most attractive traits are so that you will know why people value you and what you can use to really connect with people that you're interested in. So why am I offering to spend this much time with individuals for free? So one, it's going to let me connect with you as an individual, and I'll be able to help you right then and there. But also, I think I'm just going to get a lot of valuable feedback from talking with people, and I'm going to learn a lot, and it's going to help teach me, like, what is it that you're working on, and what is it that you need? And that's going to help, in turn, make the podcast be more beneficial to you. So I feel like everybody wins from the time that we spend by doing this. So. If you're interested in chatting, just please go to ethicalseduction.com and you can sign up for the free attraction Kickstarter call today. Thanks. And the last free thing that I have also out there for people to use is the guide for connecting conversations. This is a free PDF I've put together. Some people didn't know what to say. They'd run out of things to say, right? And this is a guide to conversations so the conversations can flow better and so you always know something fun and interesting to say. And in addition, there's some tips. If you maybe deal with like some anxiety and you're not the best with conversations, there's some tips in there to kind of help you make that a little bit easier for you as well. So if you'd like that, the free guide for connecting conversations, again, you can just download that right from ethicalseduction.com. If you like today's show, please remember to follow us so you can get future episodes on your podcast player of choice. Remember, if you have friends who you think like might benefit from like some of the things we talk about on the show, then shoot them a link, you know, share, share something with them and that can make a difference in their life. That, that's why we're here. And if you happen to listen on Apple Podcasts and you're be so kind to take a minute and leave us a rating or a brief review, that helps us out a lot. We get to read the reviews and that helps kind of t- us tailor and shape the show that we do in the future. And also, if you want to follow us on social media, we're at Ethical Seduction on Instagram, Facebook, FetLife, and Reddit. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And remember to live the life that you want with the people that you want. Bye.